is from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, you know that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law shall no one be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we ourselves were found to be sinners, is Christ then an agent of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again those things which I tore down, then I prove myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Peace be to you, the reader. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death. Before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Peace be to you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This passage that we just read from the Holy Gospel speaks to us in many ways. One, I think it addresses the issue of our free will, our choice, that we can choose or not choose to follow Christ. I think it also speaks to uh, how we prioritize things in life as well. What we place as first, um, what we may say is priority, but we actually don't live it as though it's priority. I think that it also speaks of self-examination. Because I can't read this passage and not think to myself and ask myself a lot of questions. Am I truly picking up my cross and am I truly following Christ? Um, Is the kingdom of heaven the most important thing for me and is my relationship with Christ the most important thing for me? And if so, how do I know that? What can I say to that that would prove that that's true? Because I can say that I desire to have a particular job, but if I'm not working in every aspect to do what I need to do to attain that, then I have to question my motive and my my sincerity. And I think the same thing is true even in relationships. I can say that I want to find somebody and get married and have a family and get into all of that, and then I have to ask myself, am I truly invested in this? And how does that manifest itself day to day in the relationships that I have? This part of self-examination, of truly looking within ourselves and asking ourselves some serious questions, I think, is very paramount to our spiritual life in Christ and the church. And we can't be afraid to do it. In fact, it is one of the hallmarks of our mysteries, the sacrament of holy confession, where we really have to sit and think deep and long and hard in a prayerful way to examine our soul, to see where it is where we've missed the mark, Not so that we can feel better when we come out of confession, but that we can begin to build a very solid relationship with God. I'm not really sure how you understand the phrase, let him deny himself, how you make sense of what it means to deny yourself. In one of the commentaries I read, I thought it was really apropos, though, to this particular question, because he says, the first man, Adam denied himself when he fell into sin. But he denied his true self. Let me say that again. The first man, Adam, also denied himself when he fell into sin, but he denied his true self. Seeking from men that they deny themselves, the Lord seeks that they deny their false selves. So now we are sort of presented with this idea of what is my true self? as opposed to what is my false self, or my authentic self, versus my inauthentic self. And I recall many times over the years, as a therapist sitting with people, and this question comes up, and the answer was typically, I don't know how to answer that question. I really don't know who I am. I don't know what true self even looks like. All my life I've been living to please somebody else. All my life I've been living in order to be accepted by somebody else. So I've had to sort of take on this uh, persona, if you will, or these behaviors so that I could feel connected. But I don't think that's really who I am. But I can't answer the question either. I don't really know who I am. I, I don't even know where to begin with that. This is a typical answer that I would get. Adam denied the truth, his true self, when he 
connected himself with sin. And now the Lord seeks of Adam's descendants, that's us, that we deny the lie and cleave once more to the truth from which we have fallen away. For me to even say, I just want to know who I am, is an extremely presumptuous statement. Because there is no way, from an Orthodox Christian perspective, there is no way I can ever begin the journey of knowing who I am if my journey is not directed towards Christ. Because I've been created in His image. And for me to know who I am, I have to know who Christ is. That's the connection. It's not, I don't know who I am. Well, let me just kind of discover my inner self and what makes me feel free and happy and joyful and good about myself. That's not what we're talking about. That's humanism. We're talking about a relationship with an other, an I and thou relationship, as Martin Buber put it. The only way I can discover who I am is I have to discover Christ in my life. So he becomes the focal point. He becomes the focal point. To deny oneself means to deny the deceitful non-being that has been imposed on us in place of our God-given being. We must deny the earthboundness that has replaced spirituality and the passions that have replaced good works and the grumbling against God that has killed within us the spirit of obedience. In brief, we must deny all that we reckon is me, in quotations, for those who are listening to the radio version of this, but is in reality not me. This is the false self. I remember one time I was talking to a very dear friend of mine who is a therapist, and he's a colleague and a brother in Christ and all these things. And as I was talking to him, I said, I just dot, dot, dot. And he asked the question, which I are you referring to? (laughs) And it's a great question. Is it the I that I sort of want to project to the people around me? Is it the I that sits and hears that press secretary in my brain that tells me that it's never good enough and I can't do it right and nobody really cares? Which I am I listening to? And so this is that part of self-examination and self-knowledge that St. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Isaac the Syrian says, to know yourself as you truly are is a greater miracle than to raise the dead. I've said that before here. But it's that part, to know yourself as you truly are. So we're back to square one. Well, who am I truly? And how do I discover who I am in truth? And it goes back to that relationship between I and thou. Our our sense of self oftentimes is extremely distorted because of the relationships we've had throughout our life that have formed our sense of self and who we are. And that's the part that hates myself. That's the part that can't stand when I make mistakes. That's the part that feels rejected, that feels abandoned, that feels isolated. That's the false self. Because that has nothing to do with our true value in Christ in whom we've been created in His image. That's our true self. He goes on to say, The false self are the evil habits that have become second nature to us. Let us deny this second nature, for it is not our nature as God created it, but an accumulated and hardened illusion and self-delusion in ourselves. A hypocritical lie that goes by our name and we by its name. 
You see, the greatest gift that has ever been given to us, as St. Nikolai says, is the soul of man that's created in the image of God. And this greatest gift God will, in his time, also seek back from us. It will return. And we are in this place now of having the control, through our free will, to prepare our soul to meet our Creator, or not prepare our soul. We're going to meet our Creator no matter what. But what are we doing with the time in the life that He has allotted us out of His grace and mercy, and all that He has provided around us in order to prepare our souls to adorn it with the virtue so we stand before Christ adorned in all of those beautiful things? While a man is still in the body in this world, he is enthralled by much that the world counts as precious. But when he is parted from the body, he then realizes that apart from God and the soul, there is nothing that has any value at all. Apart from God and apart from the soul, there is nothing that has any value at all. How perilous is the state of an unrepented soul when it finds that all that tries, ties it to God and to the world has broken away and it finds itself naked and destitute in the spiritual world. To whom can it cry for help at that moment? Whose name can it invoke? The hem of whose garment can it grab as it falls into the endless abyss for all eternity. And as I was reading that, my mind went to Psalm 142 that we hear in the Vesper service, and just just a couple of the verses. Here's King David addressing this very issue. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord, and I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. This is a man who saw his soul in peril and was concerned about the day of reckoning. And he was crying out to his Lord in this life in order to protect him and help him in this time so that he could be woken up from his spiritual lethargy and from the delusion of a false self in a world that had much to offer him as a king, but yet he felt as though he had absolutely nothing. So don't be deceived that anything can bring you happiness or security outside of the mercy and the grace and the love of God. So, with all of that, this blessed saint says, Blessed are they... And now when they say that phrase, right, it's like, yes. <laughs> blessed are they who in this life have come to love Christ. Really love Christ. And how do you know if you love Christ? Is it intuitive? Is it, well, because I try the best that I can? Is it because I read the Bible every day and I go to church as often as I can? How do you know if you truly love Christ? But he says, blessed are those who love Christ, truly love Him, and have learned to invoke His name day and night inseparably from their breathing and the beating of their hearts. The name of Christ is always on their lips, in their breath, 
and then the beating of their hearts. I remember one of the most beautiful uh, little homilies I heard uh, on, on a marriage was uh, um, uh, Archimandrite Emilianos in the book, uh, The Prayer at Church. He says to a husband and wife that they may synchronize their footsteps in marriage and synchronize the beating of their hearts. It's beautiful. So we have this image of a relationship with another person and also with God using the very same language. They will know who to cry to for help in that day. And they will know whose name to invoke. They will know the hem of whose garment to hold on to. Indeed, they will be out of danger under the wing of their beloved Lord. So people, our true self is contained within the person of Christ. And to know who we are is to know who He is. And this is why it is very wise for all of us to do all that we can in this life while we have the breath, of, the breath of life that we seek him out like a soul that uh, like a soul that's just thirsting and parched for that fresh spring to seek him out in every way possible and the means and the ways are here within our beautiful faith but they'll remain there unused unless we decide to pick up our cross and follow Christ and make that commitment and prove to Christ that we love Him by the way that we live our life in relationship to Him and one another. Amen.